Thanks to Stamps.com for supporting The Productivity Show. With Stamps.com, you can access all the services your post office has to offer right from your desk. Use code TPS right now to get a special four-week trial offer, which includes postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, click the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TPS. That's Stamps.com, enter code TPS. Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. Do you ever get overwhelmed? Ever feel like you've lost control of your day and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it? Do you get frustrated with having to respond to things other people declare are urgent and find yourself with no time left for the things that are important to you? If you said yes to any of these questions, then this episode is for you. Brooks and I talk about what overwhelm is as well as what contributes to it and share a simple four-step strategy to help you escape overwhelm once and for all. We share five quick tips for disconnecting from the moment and getting some space and control when everything goes wrong and give you five tactical tips to help you systematically create space and escape overwhelm. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 206. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, this is Mike Schmitz, and with me today is Mr. Brooks Duncan. How are you doing today, Brooks? Excellent, excellent. How are you? <laughs> doing good. Uh, this episode is inspired by somebody who had reached out to us on Twitter initially, Ryan Ward said, at Productivity FM, I'm a regular listener and would love for you to do a show on the topic of dealing with overwhelm. You've addressed this in some of your other training modules, but would love to hear a podcast on the issue. Uh, I really liked this idea. And when I floated the idea inside of our private Slack team where we're recording this in front of the dojo audience and I asked people, what are some of the questions that you have or the experiences that you want help with when it comes to dealing with overwhelm? We got a ton of responses. So I'm excited to dig into these one of them, just to share this at the beginning, Nilhara had mentioned, I'm emerging from a phase of some serious overwhelm. I just sat down a count and I know that I have nearly 40 hours a week of hard commitments this summer, meaning meetings and sessions where I have to be fully present, not counting general running around, logistics, paperwork, which means that the schedule at work is madness. We've all been there. Uh, and whatever little time I've got left goes into staying sane, processing all the input and so forth. As others have pointed out, worst part here is how this tends to derail the regular rituals, which then triggers a negative feedback loop. I'm now looking to build my routine back the best I can, and I'm definitely looking forward to learning from the discussions around this theme. Uh, I think that a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, find ourselves in that, that situation, or at least we have in the past. And so this episode is all about identifying what overwhelm really is, what to do when you get overwhelmed. We're going to give you some steps to escape it, give you some tactical tips for uh, when you find yourself in a situation where everything's just going wrong, what can you do right in the moment? And then uh, some things that you can do to systematically avoid it in the first place. Yeah, this is a very timely episode for me because it just so happens I'm having a bit of a bananas day today with a bunch of different things all going on at the same time. And uh, I've been using some of the strategies that we're going to talk about today uh, to kind of deal with that. And uh, we'll be using some of the ones we're talking about to hopefully avoid it next time. So uh, yeah, this is a perfect episode for me to to record today. I have to admit that I kind of thought maybe this was a very applicable uh, episode <laughs> for you, given everything that was going on for you today. 
Uh, I know we kind of, you're recording this because Mondays are our, our day when we record the, the podcast and Tan was not able to because he had a prior commitment. But then when I found out everything that you had going on today, I, I kind of had that feeling like, well, maybe Brooks isn't even able to, to do this. Um, so I'm sure that, you know, you're trying to balance a whole bunch of things going on in, in your head. So it'll be great to get your perspective yeah. on this. Uh, so this definition of overwhelm, you probably relate to Brooks. Uh, it is to bury or drown beneath a huge mass to defeat completely. Yes, man. Uh, there's so much in that, that definition, but I think we've all kind of felt that in that we've all been in that situation where we just feel completely defeated. Uh, really that's the thing that speaks to me about overwhelm is you can plan perfectly, but that doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfectly according to plan. And, uh, when you find yourself feeling overwhelmed, a lot of times you think like, well, how did I get here? And you feel like you don't have any control. Yeah. And, uh, it's not my personal nature to feel defeated for sure, but I can definitely identify sometimes with that buried or drowning feeling that you look at all the stuff you have going on and you're just thinking, man, there's just no way. And, uh, and it's like the, the Hydra, right? You chop off one head and, and there's uh, two more there. So it's, uh, it can definitely feel that way. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about some of the specifics a little bit later, but one of the things that comes to mind right away is your email inbox where every time you open it, there's just a steady stream of things coming in. Some of them you've asked for, some of them you haven't. And it's up to you now to deal with all this stuff. And it can get overwhelming thinking about the steady stream of information that you've constantly got to make all these decisions about. And sometimes it's, it feels like there really isn't even anything important going on there. It's just something that you have to spend a whole bunch of time doing just to quote unquote, keep up, you know, you've got too much to do, not enough time to do it in. And when it comes to email specifically, maybe you're just trying to keep your head above water. Yeah. I'm currently reading a a book called my morning routine uh, by Benjamin Spall. And, uh, this is something that one of the, and it's about a, basically an interview, bunch of interviews with people who have uh, list their morning routines and kind of talk about it. And one of them, I, I don't remember whose it was, was saying that, yeah, they feel like they have to read or and or reply to every email, even the ones that aren't important, they know aren't important, but they feel like they have to do that before they can get working on their important stuff. So when you feel that way, you're just going to be in a, and I'm sure this person does, you're just going to feel like you're in a constant state of overwhelm because, uh, you know, as we've talked about many times on the podcast, that, that tap never stops. (laughs) So you are, uh, if you're in that mindset, it's hard to get out of. Yeah. And with email specifically, I mean, maybe you have email associated with your work and you feel like you can't really turn that off. But a lot of the stuff that contributes to us feeling overwhelmed is is uh, self-imposed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like oh, yeah. social media streams, for example, where you're never just gonna, you're never going to be able to consume it all. You're never going to be able to check the box and say, OK, that's that's done. I mean, I'll just tell them myself, I've been in that situation where you go into Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and it's been you know, three minutes since you checked it last <laughs> time. And you go in there and you refresh and you wait for it to load and you see that there's nothing new and and it doesn't help at all. Like the the fact that there's nothing there yet doesn't doesn't prevent you from having that same impulse in three minutes. So it's a it's a desire that's never really satisfied. Yep. That swipe down muscle memory that (laughs) that you just can't can't help yourself from doing to to refresh and check new messages for sure. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so like, it doesn't mean you, you have to give into it all the time. I mean, there've been days when I haven't gone on, on Twitter and I, I get a little bit nervous when I go back on there and I see like the, the thousand unread messages or whatever, but I've kind of overcome that, 
that desire to be a quote unquote Twitter completionist, you know, where you have to have to read everything. Because what I've realized is that those days that I don't go check the social media, those are the days that I'm really, really productive. Those are the days that I'm head down on some big project and I just don't have time to do it. My day is packed and then I get done. By the end of the day, I'm journaling and I'm thinking through what did I get done today? And it's like, wow, I got I got a lot done. And it's because my focus wasn't broken by those those things. I wasn't sucked into what David Allen calls emergency scan modality, which honestly is a big driver of this whole idea of of overwhelm. Uh, do you want to just real briefly define emergency scan modality for people who aren't familiar with it? I mean, if you listen to our podcast for any length of time, we've, we talk about it all the time, but just real briefly, how would you describe emergency scan modality in your own words? Yeah, it's just, it's, you're always looking, you're always fighting fires. You're always, you're always looking for things that are, that are kind of standing out, that are the fires you need to put out. And so you're never really Instead, you're constantly reactive instead of approaching things like this is what I need to do and making the space to do them. You're looking for the most urgent and kind of burning things to do and then tackling those because it's just almost easier to deal with those things than it is to be more intentional. Yeah, I like the definition that you the words you use reactive, um, because when you think about emergency scan modality where you're just responding to the emergencies Things are on fire in in one sense. You know, you have to put out the fire. So when you're thinking about emergency scan modality, you're just responding to the fires that pop up into your field of view. The problem is that if you go back and think about like the Eisenhower matrix and uh, Tan wrote an article not too long ago. Uh, we updated that one about the, the Stephen Covey, uh, the urgent versus important and uh, he did a great job of uh, explaining the the quadrant of, of action, he called it. Um, but when you're stuck in emergency scan modality, you don't even have time to evaluate these things. So whenever somebody says, hey, look over here, this thing is urgent. You need to deal with this right now. You don't even stop and question about whether that's true because you're just so <laughs> in the mode of just putting out these fires that it's like, OK, yeah, I better go do that. And the problem is that you can get stuck responding to the things that other people are declaring are urgent all the time. And so if you find yourself in that place where you're constantly in emergency scan modality, there's, there's three problems with that. Number one, the real work that you're trying to do, it, it suffers. Number two, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So like I said, you're in this mode where you're just putting out these fires. You think that things are going to break. And so obviously you're going to see the uh, the you're going to see that that happen. You're going to see the things break. And uh, without the distance to determine whether it's worth fixing, you know, you just get stuck putting out that fire. And then the third problem, obviously, being in a permanent state of this is extremely stressful. Yeah. And all, all of that kind of adds up, adds up, adds up. And with the the extra stress at the end, it just kind of puts the cherry on top. It leads to that overwhelm because in a lot of our roles anyway, there's there's never any end. We can always find urgent things to occupy our time and it just builds up and builds up. And if we're always doing those things, then our other important things, they will slowly build up as well. So you, you end up in this overwhelm situation. Yeah. So the things that are important that really aren't urgent, but you do them when you have time for them are naturally going to fall through the cracks. You're not going to make sure that you have time for your morning ritual. In fact, a lot of the people who commented when I made that comment and asked in Slack about what are the things that you struggle with when it comes to overwhelm, a lot of them said, you know, I get overwhelmed and my way of dealing with it is that I let those important rituals that I know are going to contribute to my long-term <laughs> happiness and success, I let those things go. 
So yeah, there's, there's all these different things that we have to deal with. Really what it comes down to is that there's just too much to do. There's not enough time to do it. And another way to say that would be that there's just too much information that's coming at us, especially when we're in that mode where everything that comes into our field of view may be important and may be a fire that we need to deal with. And so when you think about how much we have to process and look at and make value judgments on in, in any given day, it's, it's ridiculous. I found some statistics from uh, Domo where they did a, a research study on, it's titled Data Never Sleeps. And they said that in every, every minute, I believe, there are uh, 154,200 calls made on Skype. There are 456,000 tweets that are published on Twitter. 3,607,080 searches are made on Google. 4,146,400 videos are viewed on YouTube and 103,447,520 emails are sent. So like we're in this, we're in this society now where there is just constantly new information coming at us. And if we are stuck in the emergency scan modality and we're accepting it as our job to respond to every single one of these, because it may be a fire that we need to deal with. I mean, this is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, you know, we we've got the, our important our important things we need to work on. In a perfect world, we would just be focusing on those. And if there was sometimes people say work and jobs would be great if we didn't have to deal with other people, but you know that for most of us that isn't reality. So we've got our things to do. Other people around us have things they need to do and and a lot of times that Venn diagram that's when causes problems. We the people around us are giving us tasks, are asking us questions, are asking us about Westworld last night, the Westworld finale. Are uh, you've got people? If you if we dip our toe into social media, if we have our if we keep our Skype up and don't go do not disturb or invisible or whatever, all of that contributes to this feeling like we don't have the ability to get the things we want to do done. Yeah, but everybody wants to project that image that they are cool, calm and collected and they've got everything yeah. under control and they're trying to just squeeze in one more thing, which is where we find ourselves where we are now. Or the opposite. Uh, we want to project ourselves. You know, when people ask how it's going, it's it's almost like a knee jerk reaction. You say, oh, I'm busy. I'm so busy. So it's almost like some sometimes we want to project the opposite, that uh, it's almost like a badge of honor to 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 feel, to be so busy that we feel like we need to, to project that as well. So it, it kind of can go both ways sometimes. Oh, totally. I mean, if you, if you have a group of people that you see regularly, like, I don't know, people that you see at, at church or some organization where you meet you know, every week, every other week, whatever, and you, people that you're acquainted with and they say, Hey, how's it going? What's your natural response? Oh man, I'm so busy. <laughs> like try yeah. to say anything besides that. It's hard yeah, yeah, because exactly. it's just culturally accepted that this is the way things are. And then also, I mean, with all of this different stuff that that's going on and the, the artificial belief that, you know, we can do it all, we can know it all like that contributes to FOMO or the fear of missing out, which we've discussed on previous episodes, but just Real quickly, uh, the definition of FOMO is that the anxiety, I'm sorry, the definition is the anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere. So regardless of how many information streams you are trying to keep up with, regardless of how many social media uh, accounts you have, you're going to have this FOMO on some level. Uh, It's obviously easier to manage if you've only got a few different inputs or different ways that people can uh, can put information in in front of you, but we're all we're all stuck dealing with this. 
Um, in an article, which is going to be published shortly on this topic, I, I've said FOMO feeds on the never-ending stream of potentially important information that is given to us by our computers, tablets, and smartphones. Regardless of where you're getting this information from, it's always at your fingertips. And because it's always at your fingertips, you feel like it doesn't take you that long to go see these things. And then that steals your focus and it steals your effectiveness from what's really important. Yeah. And FOMO can be really difficult too, because there's certain topics that trigger that response in us, even if it's not work-related stuff. For some people, it's politics. For some people, it's sports. For some people, it's whatever it is they're they're interested in or feel like they should be interested in. There's always more that you could be reading about uh, about that particular topic. So you just feel like, oh man, you know, one more refresh. I got to read one more article that's basically saying the same thing as the 10 other articles I read that I already agree with <laughs> or or even on a professional setting. Right. A, a lot of us, whatever our profession is, there's there's always more that we can learn about that topic. There's always one more app we can test. There's always one more uh, professional article we can read. And, and we feel like it'll help us in our in our whatever our career is, which all of which is probably true, but then you still need to do the stuff that you need to do. And that's why FOMO can be really dangerous. It's not even just the stuff that will quote unquote advance your career. It could be something as simple as you get to the office in the morning, everybody's standing around the water cooler, you know, drinking their coffee, whatever. And somebody says, Hey, did you see the game last night? Mm-hmm. And, and if you say no, you immediately feel ostracized, which is a situation that you want to avoid in the future. So you know, everybody else, quote unquote, is caring about the results of the sports ball <laughs> game that <laughs> happened last night. So uh, the next next one that's on, maybe you watch it. Maybe you spend three hours of your time watching this stupid game so that you can talk about it when you get to the office and not saying that that's not something that's important. I mean, I posted on HipChat the other day. I'm like, Brooks, 10, you guys watching this World Cup game? <laughs> so it's not it's not all negative, but you have to understand that when you're saying yes to that thing, you're really saying no to, to some other things. If you try to just say yes to all these things, that's what leads to getting overwhelmed. Definitely. So the artificial solution that a lot of people will talk about when it comes to overwhelm is this whole idea of work-life balance. And we won't spend a whole lot of time here. We've got an episode, uh, episode 139, where we talk about the work-life balance myth. But I just want to call this out because there really isn't those real clear uh, delineations between work and personal anymore. Technology has blurred these lines where a lot of times you can't even you can't even see them anymore. Uh, So that's not a great idea. What you have to do is embrace the idea of intentional imbalance, which, again, we talk a lot about in that particular episode. But the root behind intentional imbalance. And this is the thing I want to talk about here today is that you're resetting the expectations and you're stacking the deck, but it's in your favor. So you're in control of the situation. And we're going to give you four steps to uh, escape overwhelm. But before we do that, anything you want to add regarding work-life balance? No, just that I'm totally with you. It uh, The sooner we can accept that it, it's not work-life balance is not really a thing anymore. Uh, if, if you do are able to have that in your life, that's great. But for most people, and I think most people listening to this podcast anyway, you know, it all blurs together a lot more than than maybe it had in the path past. So you can fight it. Or you can, like you said, reset those expectations, implement some things that are not putting it into, are not making a balance, but allow you to make the best of the situation and come out on top. Right, exactly. That's that's exactly what you're doing is you're making the best of your current situation, given your current 
obligations, how can you arrange things in a way where you're going to produce the most happiness for everybody involved? If I were to right. boil down these next four steps, that's kind of what it is. All right. So let's talk about these. Uh, number one, and this is a simple one, just identify your roles and responsibilities. What are the things that you are committed to? As we're recording this, uh, we're recording this ahead of time in front of the, the dojo, dojo audience. So it'll be a little bit before this is, this is published. But I'm getting ready on Friday this week. I am going up to Door County for what I call my personal retreat, my thinking day. And I'm going to look at all of the things, all my roles and responsibilities that I have committed to. I do this every every couple of months, every quarter. And I look for things that, you know, this has run its course. It's no longer the right season for me to be committed to these things. And I'm going to say no to those things. But also what that does is it not only reduces the feeling of overwhelm as I try to keep all these plates spinning, but also it creates the margin in the space for other new things, which maybe are better than the old things. But you won't even see those new things if you're so focused on how do I keep the old thing going. So this is a really important step, I think, is to periodically reevaluate th- those things that you've committed to. And just because you said yes at one point doesn't mean that it's still a yes today. Yeah. And you can approach that two ways, too. There's the perspective of look at your roles and responsibilities, see what doesn't apply anymore or shouldn't apply anymore and and whittle it down. But doing that doing that process can also be really helpful for making sure that you're on top of the things that you do still want to do, that periodically you might review it and be like, oh, right, I have this conference that I'm going to be speaking at in six months or something like that. I need to make sure that I keep that in mind so that I'm not at the last seconds, you know, on the plane on the way to the conference working on my slides or something like that. <laughs> so by, so by, not that I've ever done that. Uh, so by periodically uh, reviewing the roles and responsibilities, it can, can kind of help, help um, make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do also. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of my favorite books is Deep Work by Cal Newport, and he talks about this whole idea of deep work and excellence and becoming really, really good at what you're doing. And that's going to contribute to value in, in the marketplace. And you really can't do that if you find yourself constantly overwhelmed and just trying to check the boxes and get the things done. You have to have that margin in order to hashtag blow their minds, which is one of our core values here at, at Asian Efficiency. So we try to really just go above and beyond with everything that we create. Now, some people might argue that sometimes we don't do that, but that's our goal anyways. We're going to give it our very best uh, whenever it comes to whether it's putting together show notes for a podcast like this or writing a blog post or creating a product. Uh, you know you're going to get the the very best of what we've got to offer. We're not just throwing it out there because we want to we want to make a quick buck. But yeah, that that applies to, you know, any any area of your life. You want to be excellent at it, obviously. So number two, then you've got to learn to say no. And I know that some people are going to disconnect right here because they're like, oh, I really can't say no. Yes, you have to say no. Like this is critically important. I know it's not easy. I know it's not uh, it's not fun to have those critical conversations with people. And you just have to tell them, you know, like, I I really can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. I know this is going to disappoint you. I know that you're going to feel like I let you down, but I really just can't do this anymore. But I have in the, sh- the show notes here, like, who would you rather disappoint? Yourself, the people closest to you, the acquaintances who have asked you to do the thing that isn't in line with your goals or values, or all of the above? Because that's what happens <laughs> if you're overwhelmed. Eventually, you're going to get to the point where you're just, I can't do this anymore. And you're going to back away from everything. And at that point, the people who you really care about, whether it be yourself or the people that are, are closest to you, 
uh, they're going to get hurt too. So you can, you can control that though. And you can say, you know, I'm going to have to disappoint somebody. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to do it in a, in a nice way. I'm going to say, you know, I'd love to help you out, but I just don't have the capacity, the margin, whatever term you want to use. I don't have the mental resources that I can devote to your, your project right now. And I don't want to do you a disservice by not doing this to the quality standard that you expect. So it's probably better if you find somebody else who can devote more time to this particular project. I mean, at first, maybe people will be disappointed because you said no. But uh, in my experience in the long term, they respect you more for that. Yeah. And I think this is something that a lot of times we have trouble wrapping our minds around, especially initially, is that sometimes people or a lot of times I would even say sometimes people would would almost rather get the no right away at the beginning so that they are able to go find alternatives. It's way better for them to say for you to say no and and have them uh, find alternatives than to say maybe or to say yes, but kind of do a, a semi good job or say yes and drop the ball later. It, you're actually doing them a big favor by saying no. I would also say that kind of a, I guess, a, a nuance to the concept of saying no is you could also learn to delegate a bit better. And this is, we've had other, we've had TPS uh, productivity show episodes about this, but sometimes, sometimes if there's no way that, if there's is really absolutely no way that you can get out of being responsible for something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're the one who has to do it. So you could also look for opportunities to have maybe a team member that you could grow into doing this thing uh, that that you're responsible for. Sometimes you can outsource things. So a lot of times there, there are ways that you can still be responsible for something, but not be the one to actually physically have to do it. So those are th- things you could do as well. Great point. Uh, I will say that when it comes to the delegation, that sometimes depending on the task that you're delegating, it actually requires more time when you delegate something, if you're doing it the right way, because you've got to put the person that you're delegating it to you got to put them in a position to succeed by giving them all the criteria that you need in order for them to do the thing. You have to create the documentation, maybe, which is going to show them exactly how to do it. You can't just say, I, I can't do this. You do it now. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, definitely. that's not that's not going to work. And if you find yourself being overwhelmed, that's probably going to be the 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 um, the temptation anyways. And so I, I completely agree about the idea of delegation. I think that that's a great long-term strategy. If you got a bunch of stuff on your your plate right now that you just don't want to have to deal with because you want to create that margin for the things that really are important, that may be a very important uh, strategy for you to to implement. But if you are in a place where you just can't keep your head above water at the moment, then I think you're in very real danger of burning out. And uh, I would advise you at some point to find something that you can say no to. I try to challenge myself to do that every time I go on these personal retreats is to find one thing at least that I can say no to. I don't always find something that I say no to, but more often than not, I do. And I think that that's important because that's going to create the space, like I said, for the thing that maybe is even better and will eventually take you to where you want to go, but you won't even see it as long as you don't have that margin. There's a great book on this topic, by the way, by uh, I think it's Richard Swenson. It's called Margin. And that's really the the whole idea is, is that when you have this margin, the way that you see things changes and you all of a sudden understand for uh, what value the opportunities that are before you have as opposed to 
just being stuck in this emergency scan modality where you just got to check the boxes and you don't even think about these other things. And you know, why you don't even think about uh, an alternate universe where things are easier. Yeah, that's a good idea. Setting it out as a goal to find something to say no to, because it's much more likely you're actually going to find something than to just kind of look for it without without having that be the the expectation. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And what it comes down to is you got to you got to balance these things and you have to recognize that you're not just saying, should I do this thing in isolation? But you have to recognize the choices that are really happening here and you have to compare it against the other things that maybe are more important. So if you say, should I do this or this? The answer is not always yes. (laughs) Like if you have to make that value judgment, which one of these things is more important? That helps bring a lot of clarity. Thanks to Stamps.com for supporting the Productivity Show. With Stamps.com, you can get access to all the services of the post office right from your desk. These days, you can get practically anything on demand, just like this podcast, which lets you listen wherever you want, whenever it's convenient for you. With Stamps.com, you can even get your postage on demand. You can buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package, anytime, anywhere. Stamps.com is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. I've been using Stamps.com for years because it is so convenient to get the postage I need whenever I need to ship something. I used to get so frustrated when I had letters or invoices I needed to send out, but I didn't have the postage that I needed on hand. I'd have to get in my car, drive to the post office, stand in line, buy my stamps, and finally, I'd be able to send my mail. But when I started using Stamps.com, it was such a relief because I didn't have to go anywhere anymore. I could print my postage right there from my desk, and I never had to leave the house. If you're ready to put unnecessary errands behind you, use code TPS right now for a special offer just for podcast listeners. Go to Stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage. Then type in TPS. That will get you the four-week trial, which includes postage and a digital scale, and it lets them know that you came from this show. That's stamps.com and enter code TPS. Our thanks to stamps.com for supporting the productivity show. All right, number three is to get out of your email. Uh, We mentioned this earlier, but email, I really do believe, is just a major contributing factor to this. one person that I know, uh, they've just decided that they're okay with being bad at email. They spend 30 minutes a day in their their email client and they respond to as many messages as they can, but they they know that there's going to be stuff in there they're not going to get to. And they tell people, you know, I'm, you know, if I don't get to your email, sorry, <laughs> at 30 minutes, like my my email client is is closing. And there's obviously things you can do to, if you really do want to make sure that you're not dropping the ball and responding to all of these people, like you can use different tools like SameBox or VIP filters or things like that uh, to make sure that you have the ability to to do that. But I really like that idea of budgeting time for email. I forget who said the law, um, but there is a, one of those, one of those laws is that work will take as, as long as you, you give it. Is that Parkinson's law? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Same. I mean, you get the idea though. Like if you, if you set aside up to three hours to work on email, you're going to spend three hours <laughs> working on your email, <laughs> even if you crank through it in the first hour and then just continue to check it to make sure that your inbox stays empty. Yeah. 
I I think I read in that that my morning routine book I was talking about earlier. I believe Tim, if I'm remembering this right, Tim O'Reilly, who is the publisher of O'Reilly books and and stuff like that, he said he does the same thing. He has a certain amount of time. He does email every day. He gets back to the important people, or not the important people, but the important emails. Uh, he does as much as he can, and then if if uh, the rest kind of uh, fall by the wayside, you know that's just a trade off he has decided to make, and. Now he is, I, I doubt he was doing that at the beginning of his career. Uh, that's something maybe he can get away with a bit more. So obviously it depends on everybody's circumstance, but you can adapt that in some way to the point is the point is to minimize your email as much as possible so that you can get the more important things done. However, however you do that. And we've talked about a lot of different strategies on the podcast and the blog for doing that. So definitely check that out. Uh, but the, the point is, is not to allow your email to be kind of like the focus of the day. Yeah. And the, the reason that we harp on email so much is that if anybody who has your email address can demand your attention, which is completely ridiculous when you think about it, you're not going to have somebody off the street march into your office and say, give me 10 minutes of your time. But that's what happens whenever you hear the ding and, <laughs> and you go respond. Uh, and so I really do believe that we need to we need to control this. Uh, another thing you can do to get out of your email is to turn off the unread badge, because if you see that unread badge on your dock or on your smartphone and you see that there are 10 messages in there, whatever, that's it. Well, first of all, a 10 message is actually a pretty good scenario because you don't have that many. Uh, but even in, in that case, you want to go in there and you want to see what those things are because FOMO, you don't want to miss out on something that's important. If you've got something like 10,000, then just looking at it makes you depressed and it contributes to your sense of overwhelm before you even go into it and do anything about it. Uh, and when you look at that unread badge, you instantly feel guilt and shame about not being in your email, dealing with those things, even if the time that you've set aside for what you're doing right now really is more important. Uh, so turn off your unread badge. Also turn off your notifications. I know some people in corporate settings, you can't turn off notifications completely, but there are applications out there which allow you to use VIP uh, notifications so you can flag you know, your immediate um, supervisor, boss, manager, whatever, head of your company, people on your team, you can flag them as VIPs. And then uh, those people, when you get a message, you'll get the notification. But the person who looked at your LinkedIn profile, you're not going to be notified for that. Yeah, though, that unread badge, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because in any app or or whatever, having that unread badge, whether it's email and so many, so many apps these days have the the badge numbers there. Those are all all of them contribute to overwhelm. It just, you see, you see those red, red numbers all over your screen, whether it's on your phone or your dock on your computer or your task manager on your computer, seeing though that red unread number, it just, even if you don't think about it, it, it just adds that sense of overwhelm. So if you can just take a chainsaw and, and, cut off the notifications, the badge notifications for every app that you can, because uh, a lot of them are completely unnecessary if you really think about it. Yeah, absolutely. You're much better off just setting aside the time and then going in there and dealing with things rather than having those badges screaming at you the, the whole time saying, give me your attention over here. <laughs> yep. All right. So that's number three. Get out of your email. Number four is establish rituals. Now we talk a lot about rituals here at Asian Efficiency. They really are like your body's efficiency mechanism for doing the things that are important to you. And if you are consistent with them, 
then they will translate into the results that you're looking for. But as we mentioned earlier, they're also the thing that you tend to compromise on when you feel overwhelmed. Uh, Susie Doyle in uh, the Slack team says, my biggest struggle when it comes to overwhelm is fighting the urge to let it derail my life. It's tempting to skip out on exercise and taking the time to make healthy meals because I think I need the extra time. Biggest tools I use to fight overwhelm are maintaining my rituals, yoga in the morning, a healthy meal and a walk at lunch, a daily review before I leave work and taking an hour at the end of my week to do a weekly review. Having a clear mind and taking the time to think about strategies to overcome the source of the overwhelm helps the most. This I completely agree with. The problem is that it's kind of a chicken and egg situation. If you're overwhelmed, where do you find the time to not be overwhelmed? <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's tough too because the one strategy is just well, you just wake up a little bit earlier, but you can only you can only go to that well so many times because it, uh, of course you need to have a good amount of sleep as well because that can lead to overwhelm overwhelm also and and this is something we hear a lot from people in the in the community in the dojo and and from blog readers and stuff like that is a lot of times people say if they if they aren't able to do their rituals whatever it is usually it's something to do with exercise but it could be their their morning rituals morning routine also then they just feel off for the rest of the day so that can lead to overwhelm as well so having that ritual in place and making doing whatever you can barring extreme lack of sleep uh, can really help. Yeah. I mean, just look at what Susie listed, you know, exercise, taking the time to make healthy meals. I mean, these are things that are self-care things, which are going to make everything that you do easier. So let's just say, you know, you compromise on this one day, you don't go to the gym, you don't make that healthy meal. Instead, you get the burger and fries from the fast food place. And the next day, you know, you, you don't feel great. So you got to compromise again because you don't have as much energy as you did the day before because garbage in, garbage out. So it's a very uh, dangerous, it's a slippery slope. It can quickly become a, a, a negative cycle, but it can also be a positive cycle if you prioritize the, the ritual or the routine and make sure that you do this thing no matter what. Um, which is really why I included this in in this list because it's kind of like well rituals and, and routines are are great as long as you're not being overwhelmed but if you start implementing these you will find yourself being able to take care of the things that you need to take care of first you have to need to uh, protect the the golden goose you know in Asian efficiency we, our first core value is glow green become the best version of yourself so that number two you can pull others up. You can't pull other people up if you're not taking care of yourself. I tell you when you get on a plane, you know, if there's a drop in cabin pressure, put your own mask on first before you try to help other people. When you are overwhelmed and you're trying to put out all these fires that other people are telling you are urgent, you're trying to help other people. But if you're not taking care of yourself, like you're not able to do it as effectively as you could be, which obviously leads to more overwhelm. Yeah, this is kind of like delegation uh, in the sense that it can take time to establish and and firewall off the routine, but it has such a big payoff in the future that it may be worth it, depending on, you know, depending on the situation, obviously. Yeah, if I were to give people one action item from this episode, it would be to identify one thing that you want to turn into a ritual or routine. And the one place that I would probably recommend that you start would be journaling. Journaling really doesn't have to take very long. You could do it five, 10 minutes at the end of your day. There's actually the five minute journal. So you can just buy that and the format is right there. 
And that will help you see the patterns that are contributing to being overwhelmed. And if you start journaling and you recognize those patterns, then you can kind of, once you get into to that habit, you can stack other habits on, on top of that. Uh, you don't want to try to implement a whole bunch of things at once. That's not going to work. But if you can get in the habit of journaling and you, uh, and you do that successfully, we've even got an episode where we talk about how journaling can make you, uh, I forget what the percentage was, but it, it, it makes you happier uh, because you're focusing on that, that growth and you feel like you're in control. That's going to have a lot of positive effects uh, going forward. All right. So that is our four steps to escaping overwhelm. Real quickly, just to recap, number one, identify your roles and responsibilities. Know what you've committed to. Number two, once you know what you've committed to, learn to say no. Uh, identify who you want to disappoint. Uh, number three, get out of your email. And number four, establish those rituals or routines. Now, that all sounds great. And I think that that's the long-term plan in order to escape overwhelm. But what about the person who is completely overwhelmed right now? What can you do when everything is going wrong and you just need a little bit of space, you need a little bit of control you need a little bit of a break from the things that are going on around you. What what can you do right now? There's a couple things that I put in here. Uh, one of the things is to get in nature. And this is something that Curtis McHale had mentioned in the Slack team. He said, uh, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I do, or actually yesterday when I was feeling overwhelmed, I did my reading for the day sitting by the river with nothing but my Kindle, then finished it off with sending the emails I needed to send before I went really connected, made me feel totally clear. I took a walk after work for jumping in the car to head back into the thick of kids. Those 10 minutes helped make a good break. And I try to do that every day. 10 minutes, it's not a whole lot of time. But getting out there and the, the key thing that, that stood out to me was the fact that he's doing his reading sitting by the river. There's a book that I have not read. It's on my list. And I put the, the link here in the show notes. But it is uh, Blue Mind. And it's basically about how getting around in or underwater has positive effects on, uh, on your life. Uh, this was recommended to me, and uh, it's got a bunch of positive reviews on, on Amazon. But I really, I really like this idea. Cool. Yeah, I literally, I'm so glad Curtis said that because I literally did this right before, right before recording this podcast. Uh, as we've established, I, I have a bit of a bananas day today, and I was like, okay, I got to do this podcast. And this is more in, this is in the category of done is better than perfect, but I didn't have time to, you know, go out and go for a big walk. So what I decided to do is, uh, I just walked out my front door, walked to a street right near, basically right near my place, which is nice, uh, shaded with trees. It's got this nice tree canopy over the street. And even though that's not going in the forest or something like that, it just kind of gave me that calming feeling. And I, basically just walked around the block essentially uh, just to give me that whatever it was five to ten minute uh, just mental break just to to uh, to get back into the things and it, and it was super super helpful even just that yeah there's a lot of a lot of uh, studies and, and research done on what happens when you get into nature not the the main main point of emphasis in this particular podcast but uh, getting out there, whether it's just going for a walk in the woods or getting around water, whatever, even if it's just for a little bit, uh, definitely that's something that can that can help. Uh, the second thing here that you can do right now when things are all going wrong is that you can focus on something that you can control. Now, the the link that I have here in uh, in our internal document is a comment from Rachel, 
And she said that when in doubt, clean a drawer. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually think that there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, if you can't control the way things are, are, are happening at, at work, you can find something which will give you uh, a little bit of control. Now, this can also be something that you do to avoid what you should be doing. So this could be something that you use as a, as a, uh, an enabling mechanism for procrastination. So you gotta, you gotta be careful here, but, uh, I, I really do think that this is, this is not a bad idea. I love this. I lo- I'm actually thinking of printing this out and putting it <laughs> on the wall just near the desk, just to, just as a reminder, I think this is a, such a great idea that, that, yeah, you just, just find and, and you're right. You got to be careful. You know, you, you could end up like retagging all your, all your, uh, files in Evernote or something like that, if you're not careful, <laughs> but just to have a little break to do, to do just something, something separate, something, something slightly productive, uh, that just, uh, just can kind of get you going and, and get you active. It's kind of like the, the thing people say about making your bed, just that act of making your bed in the morning has so many more benefits. Uh, it's, this is kind of an example of that. So I I think that's a a great call by Rachel. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, the next one here is to meditate. Uh, and this is something that I picked up as a a habit not too long ago, but uh, I really do enjoy this. I think that this helps a lot with, uh, feeling like you are in control and there's a couple different apps that I've used for this. Uh, the two most popular ones are Calm.com and uh, Headspace. Headspace I like because, and maybe Calm has this too, um, but Headspace has a section where uh, it's specifically designed for those moments where you just feel completely stressed out by the way things are. And it's almost like a, an emergency toolkit sort of a thing where you just need a quick two or three minute uh, meditation to uh, to clear your head and and see things clearly and, and disconnect from the emotion of the the situation. So uh, there's a couple ways that you could implement this. Even the number one way I think would be to create that that ritual or that routine. You know, if you were to do this every morning, uh, you maybe don't feel so overwhelmed. But also, it can be a tool that you use in the moment to help you uh, create some space. Yeah, there's that that kind of story about, about Gandhi, which I'm sure is not true. I'm sure it's completely apocryphal, but it's, uh, and I'm totally going to massacre it, but there's that, uh, that quote you always hear where, where somebody said to, to Mahatma Gandhi, you know, you don't have time or I don't have time to, to meditate for an hour, to set aside an hour each day to, to meditate. And then his response was supposedly something like, well, then I guess that means you need to set aside two hours to do meditation. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's that sort of thing. Uh, the, uh, it, it can be time that can really, uh, really pay you back. For sure. Yeah. It's definitely a, a good investment, even if it's just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, next one on the list here is take a walk. And this is kind of in line with the first one where we talked about getting in nature, but I also think that there's something to the physical aspect of this where, you're literally forcing yourself to go somewhere, even if you don't have a destination in mind. You're just going for a walk. Uh, that physical exercise, even if it's in a limited capacity, you know, you don't have to go run a half marathon. You can just take a walk around the block, and that can kind of help you reset. Yeah, definitely. And uh, similar to to what you have here. Uh, next in the list is a lot of people say that going to the gym, breaking up the day uh, and going to the gym in the middle of the day, as opposed to the beginning of the end, can really help with that. Uh, just get that reset, get the the blood flowing. And then when they get back, uh, things aren't 
don't seem quite as bad as they did before going to the gym. Yeah, I had that as a separate point because I've definitely been in the situation before where I'm just super frustrated about a situation. I'm like, I'm going to the gym. And uh, I find that when I go to the gym, my goal is to push myself as far as I can. So typically those days where I'm just super frustrated about something, I go to the gym, I PR and just about everything. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a little bit different mindset for me, at least than taking a walk where taking a walk doesn't need to be very physically exerting. But I think that you're right. Like if you if you if you just need to get your mind off of things and you need to to push yourself in a different direction then physical exercise is great another thing that i've been doing recently is uh, going for a run uh, going for a run is a, a great reset for me and then i also find that while i'm running i tend to my mind kind of resets and it starts thinking clearly and i start to get all of these great ideas and I, I capture those while i'm i'm running but you could do that you know with the with the gym the gym scenario as well so hopefully does that that makes sense the differentiation there yeah yeah totally yeah Okay. And maybe that's just an artificial differentiation in my head, but that's the way that, uh, that I, I view the, the difference there. Now you've got a couple other things here from the tribe of mentors. You want to talk to us about these? Yeah. So tribe of mentors is a book by Tim Ferriss where he goes and in, 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 has a, basically the same interview that he gives to uh, a, a bunch of people who he finds inspirational or people that he respects and uh, accomplished people in all different walks of life, athletes, politicians, authors, all over the place. And uh, one one that I that I recalled when we were talking about overwhelm is Neil Gaiman. So Neil Gaiman is the is a well-known author, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so he had a he had a, a section in here. And one of the questions that Tim asked everybody is, what do you do when you're feeling overwhelmed or unfocused? Uh, and I, I thought his uh, Neil's response w- was good, which is basically he asks himself a series of questions. Number one, have I had enough sleep? Number two, have I eaten? Number three, would it be a good idea to go for a short walk? So none of those things, I mean, we've talked about all those, but none of those things really directly correlate with an overwhelmed situation, but a lot of times they can help fix a, a, an artificially overwhelming feeling. Uh, you know, maybe we just feel all worked up and and overwhelmed and crazy, and then oh wait, maybe I haven't eaten today, or I should eat something, and then things are just better. You know, maybe the hangry is gone. Uh, so once, so then he says, once those have been answered or fixed, you know, maybe he's done one of those things and that's fixed the situation. If it turns out there is an actual situation that's overwhelming, then he asks himself two questions. Number one, is there anything I can do to fix this? So is there something that he can do now that will fix the situation? Or, and, or is there anybody who actually has information or advice about this that I can call and talk to? So in other words, sometimes we're, we're stuck on this thing and we're so overwhelmed, uh, and you know, you just don't know what to do. And really, if I was just to, uh, you know, jump on, on hip chat and talk to Mike or, uh, you know, call somebody, call up, uh, you know, a family member or something like that, maybe there's somebody that can actually make this problem go away with a quick phone call and piece of advice. So look for those as well. So I thought that was a, an interesting approach from uh, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I like that. It kind of sounds like those three questions. It's almost like a in the moment journaling reflection. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, what, like one of the things that I, mean, I can see the sleep thing specifically in my reflection, I, I, I put, you know, what, what time did I wake up? How many, uh, how many hours of sleep did I get? And uh, that's definitely something that contributes to the patterns that I see is when I don't get enough sleep that I'm 
tend to not be as productive. So I could totally see that applying to uh, the emotions of, of getting overwhelmed and getting angry about a certain situation too. Uh, having those, those checklists is a, a great support. All right, the last section here then, um, so that was the uh, the things that you can do to get some space immediately when things start to go wrong. Uh, but we're big on systems thinking here at Asian Efficiency. And so there's a couple things that you can do. And I think if you were to just make these general rules of thumb, that these would in the long term significantly reduce the amount of overwhelm you have to deal with. Uh, is that a fair way to say it? I think that sounds really good. <laughs> All right. So there's five things that you can do to make sure systematically across the board that you're not going to be overwhelmed. So this is not going to be speaking to a specific thing. These are just kind of general best practices that you can implement, which are going to help uh, fight against overwhelm. So the first thing you can do is you can break it down. We've talked specifically about task managers, where if you are going to put something in your task manager, you want to write it for future you. You want to make sure that it starts with a verb. So when you look at it again, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. And then also break it down as as far as you logically can. So you don't want to have a bunch of big projects in your task manager that you're naturally going to procrastinate uh, against. So breaking it down can help you help you overcome that. You want to do the next one? Uh, Sure. The next thing is to eliminate things you can't do. So a lot of times we we think of all these things that uh, that are out there, but there's a lot of things we really, there's nothing we can do about. So, or, or things that maybe other people can do and not us. So eliminate the things from your, from your radar that you just really can't do. There's no point obsessing and worrying about things that there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. A couple of tactical things uh, that you can, you can use to implement this right away. If you're using uh, uh, OmniFocus, for example, as your task manager, I really love that they have this implementation of start dates or defer dates. Yep. So I think things does something similar. And this is my biggest beef with Todoist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Todoist, I would probably be using it right now if it had defer dates or start dates, but I don't want to see a complete list of everything that I have to do. I want to be able to say, this is something I got to do at some point. I'm going to capture it here so I don't forget about it, but I don't even want to see it for the next six months. And I don't want to have to be reminded every time I go into my task manager that, oh, by the way, you know, a year from now, you've got to do your taxes like that. That doesn't help me at all. It's just one more thing that I can maybe start stressing about because, oh, am I capturing everything Did I record all those receipts? Like I know how stressful it was last year. So am I forgetting <laughs> something? Maybe I should go and check everything right now. So that doesn't happen, you know, next April or whatever. Uh, and then the other thing, I think when it pertains to email, uh, you can tend to go back in and, and look at, you know, I sent this person something. Did they ever reply? Samebox is great for this. They've got this same reminders feature where you can BCC something like one week at samebox.com. When I send Brooks an email, then it will pop back in my inbox in one week, but only if Brooks hasn't responded. So I don't even have to think about it anymore. I know that if Brooks is going to respond, then the thing is taken care of. That's great. We resolve the issue. But if he doesn't, I don't have to go back and find that message somewhere. I don't have to track it in a separate system. Samebox is just going to show it to me again if it's something I need to follow up with. And also speaking of of email, that is another great reason why you want to archive messages once you've processed them so that you don't have 30,000 emails sitting in your inbox. Your inbox is just the email that you haven't processed yet. It's not your to-do list. It's not your storage. Uh, So you're not going to get overwhelmed by email if you can, if you only see uh, the, the emails that are current. Yeah. And all of those emails that are not current, those are things that you can't do. They're things that are going to steal your attention and your focus from what you should be doing. So eliminate those things whenever you can. 
Yep. Uh, third one here is eliminate unnecessary due dates. And this is why I'm a big fan of the defer start dates. A lot of my tasks in OmniFocus have defer start dates and they don't have a due date <laughs> because I don't want to assign arbitrary due dates to everything as, well, maybe this is when I should start thinking about this because then you go into your task manager, you see a whole bunch of things that are quote unquote overdue. Maybe a couple of them really are overdue and they really are urgent. You should be, they should be demanding your attention, but you see a bunch of other things and you can't determine at first glance, which ones are, are really the important ones, what happens then? You tend to not trust your system. You tend to not go into it because every time you go into it, you feel overwhelmed, yada, yada, yada. I mean, here we go again. So only put due dates on things when they are actually due. Yeah, that's something that it, that is a big contributor to overwhelm is when you fire up your task manager and you see this big wall of red and it's unnecessary overwhelm because maybe nine-tenths of the things that are red there on that screen are are not even really due. So I totally agree with you there. All right, you want to do number four? Yeah, another thing you can do is eliminate clutter. So, and I'm not even just necessarily talking about physical clutter, but uh, although that could be part of it, but just things like a lot of times we have a, a million browser tabs open. And, and that's something that I find too when I'm, uh, this is something that, for example, happened to me today is that, you know, I just had a bunch of stuff going on and I just kept adding more and more browser tabs as I was working on stuff. And then what I'd find is I'd spend a lot of mental energy trying to find the tab that I wanted. And then just seeing this wall of tabs was, uh, you know, contributing to a little bit of overwhelm as well. So try your best to eliminate that physical clutter and eliminate the amount of windows and tabs all over the place. It'll really help uh, help you mentally. Yeah, there's a there's a, actually a training course in the the dojo for digital decluttering by friend of the podcast Dave Kalo. I say friend of the podcast because every single time an episode comes out, pretty much he he shares it. <laughs> yeah, he's been on here a couple couple different times. He's contributed a couple of courses to the the dojo, but the one on digital de- decluttering, I mean that that's a really good one. So if you need a little bit of help wrangling your digital mess, which I mean, you can have the physical stuff taken care of, but you open up your, your, uh, your computer, your laptop, and you've got files all over your desktop. You've got multiple files in multiple locations, and you really have a hard time finding anything. Uh, that's almost just as bad. So definitely, uh, take a look at what you can do to manage the the digital clutter as well. Um, last one here, number five, after you get out of the overwhelming situation, take a moment to think about what got you in that situation and what, if anything, you can do to avoid it in the future. So again, this is systems thinking, input, process, output. What are the things, the inputs or the process, you know, the the actual thing that we did that contributed to this situation? And then if we don't like this, the result of this situation, if we want to make sure that this doesn't happen again, what can we do to change it? How can we manipulate the machinery of our lives to produce the results that we want? That's really at the at the heart of this. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of times when we're in an overwhelming situation, it's probably not the first time that we've been in that or at least a similar situation. So what could we have done last time to at least if we can't totally eliminate it, at least reduce the the severity of it this time and then just see what what little changes you can make each time. Who do you need to talk to? What inputs do you need to remove? What's, what what uh, kind of systems do you need to set up? What could you delegate or what could you, like um, uh, Mike said earlier, what could you say no to so that next time this doesn't come up? Yeah, one of the things that Tana's taught us on the Asian efficiency team is the three times rule. And I think that that's kind of a good general mindset for people to have because you can get out of the overwhelming situation. You can say, oh, maybe I should do something about that. And then you forget about it. 
But when you recognize that you're dealing with the same overwhelm, the same sources of overwhelm over and over and over again, uh, the general rule is that if you recognize it three times, like that's really the point where it's worthwhile taking the time to figure out the systems changes that need to happen in order for this thing not to happen anymore. It's inefficient to go and try to solve every one-off problem that you encounter. But when you see something happening over and over again, if you fix it, then that's going to contribute to efficiency and effectiveness in the long term. It's going to be worth the investment that you would make to, to fix the, the broken system. We know how frustrating it can be when you're overwhelmed. We know what it's like to have too much to do and not enough time to do it in. But you don't have to stay there. We've helped tens of thousands of people make time for what's important to them and take consistent action on their goals. If you're tired of never having enough time, you feel stuck, or you need a little help defeating the obstacles that stand between you and your ideal future, take a couple of minutes and complete our online productivity quiz. In just a couple minutes of your time, you can get a personalized productivity plan to help you get unstuck and on your way to achieving success without the stress. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. It will only take a couple minutes of your time and you'll get results, which will show you the biggest areas for improvement, as well as several curated resources to help you overcome the resistance that is keeping you from achieving your full potential. You can also find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 206. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast. The show is on Twitter as at ProductivityFM. And if you want to get your questions answered and get mentioned on the show, you can send us a tweet with the hashtag AskTPS. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next Productive Monday.